When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deep Cuts. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Deep Cuts Lost and Found, round number 14. The year we are looking at is 1988. I am here with my best friends from high school, Bill Federko, Derek Brain, Rich Air, Chris Nashawadi. Myself, Thomas Golubich, we are exploring some of our favorite overlooked, underrated, underappreciated songs and artists that we would like to share with you. We hope you dig it. It's Deep Cuts. Welcome to the show. As I mentioned, we are looking at the year 1988, and we're each going to be basically playing two songs from this year that we think are overlooked and wonderful and great and sharing them with you and discussing it between ourselves. Let's first talk a little bit about the year 1988. Who is in charge of history this week? Derek. That would be me this week. All right. That would be you. That would be me. So yes, 1988, uh, NWA was coming straight out of Compton and Oliver North was up to something rotten. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we we're waiting on that rhyme. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, in terms of politics, um, incumbent Vice President George H.W. Bush uh, defeated Mike Dukakis of the awkward riding in a tank photo. <laughs> Can't believe I'm losing uh, to this guy. That would be a great skit. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, the aforementioned Oliver North was uh, involved uh, along with the Reagan administration in the Iran-Contra affair. Uh, the uh, Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty was inked between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Uh, and in uh, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeated <laughs> news, the Soviet Union withdrew from Afghanistan. <laughs> wow. Derek dropping truth bombs. There you go. Uh, solidarity movement uh, in Poland began. Uh, it was the year of the Lockerbie uh, bombing in Scotland. Uh, in lighter news, uh, Capri Sun and Cool Ranch Doritos were big hits in the worlds of uh, foods created in laboratories. That's a whiplash right there. Lockerbie Capri Sun. Nice segue. There you go. Uh, CD sales outpaced vinyl for the first time. Uh, I think I was responsible for many of that. (laughs) The uh, no longer family-friendly Cosby show was the most popular uh, show on TV. Uh, Cosby's still alive, right? He's still alive. He's still alive. <laughs> I think he's on tour right now. Okay. Uh, anyways. Uh, you may not defame him. <laughs> well, you can. You just throw in an allegedly and you're good. Well, but the, but the conviction was thrown out, so. But Nash will be sure to include allegedly before any of your comments. There you go. And film, uh, The Last Emperor won uh, nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director. Rain Man was the highest grossing film. Uh, Big came out, Two Frame Roger Rabbit. Caddyshack 2 and uh, Die Hard were some of the big movies. 
Music-wise, George Michael's Faith was really on top of the charts. Uh, You know, you had Madonna, You Can Dance, Michael Jackson's Bad, uh, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Uh, Some big singles were In Excess's Need You Tonight, uh, Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh, yeah. Um, George Harrison, Got My Mind Set on You, probably one of my least favorite George Harrison uh, creations ever. Is that him or the Wilburys? I I don't know. Is is that the Wilburys? That must be the, that is the Wilburys, isn't it? Or is it? I feel like it's the Wilburys. I don't know. Okay. Yes, I believe they were traveling. All right. I don't know. Maybe there's a Wikipedia (laughs) hiccup there. Uh, And gun, you know, the ubiquitous... Guns N' Roses that year, Sweet Child of Mine. I think it, I think it's Child. I think it's Child O Mine. Oh, it doesn't have two apostrophes. It's not going ain't talking about love style. <laughs> I don't think it's Chilo Mine. Chilo Mine. That's too much. Um, <laughs> Known for their moderation, Guns N' Roses yeah. only choose to contract one word yeah. in the title. But uh, you know, like the L.A. Sunset Strip scene was really big with your Guns N' Roses, your Poisons, your Motley Crues, the Viper Room, L.A. Guns. That's right. Um, you know, some pretty big. Uh, Rap and hip hop stuff coming out that year, you know, obviously mm. NWA, Straight Out of Compton, and uh, Bring the Noise by Public Enemy. You know, we're starting to see the start of the scourge of boy bands with, uh, you know, New Crids <laughs> on the Block, Hanging Tough being really big. Very tough. But, um, you know, in terms of what we were doing at the time, we were all off doing different things. We all are sort of really in the thick of our college years. And probably having a lot of overlap in what we're excited about musically this year, but probably having a fair amount of divergences as well based on what part of the country we're in and what our peers are introducing to us at the time. Certainly for me, Dinosaur Jr.'s Bug blew me away, Surfer Rosa by the Pixies. You know, I remember listening to Nothing Shocking by Jane's Addiction a lot that year as well. Oh, sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of really pretty important records that came out this year uh, in 88 in terms of what we are into. Absolutely. Well, Billy, why don't you uh, lead us off? How do you want to start the show? Okay. Well, just following up on what Derek was saying. Yeah, this 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 was college and I was spending a ton of money on CDs at this point, no longer buying records. I, I was a regular customer at For the Record in Amherst, Mass., which is no longer there, unfortunately. Um, behind the counter was this guy, Wiley, this clerk who looked kind of like Gandalf. And uh, <laughs> another guy who I think was in the band New Radiant Storm King. Um, and I'd go there every Tuesday, every release day, because that was when albums came out. They came out on Tuesdays. Big social life for you in college then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spent all my money there. I had nothing left for the weekend. And then I'd load up my, you know, Pioneer six-disc changer, <laughs> you know, with the new releases. Um, but anyways, this was a record I, I distinctly remember purchasing in college at UMass. And uh, it's Talk Talk. It's from Spirit of Eden. And um, I remember buying this record and thinking, uh, did I press play? You know, it's so quiet at the beginning. Um, I think for about a quarter of an hour, it's a, it's a very quiet record and um, kind of lulls you into thinking, like I said, did I turn it on? Did I press play? Uh, it's very pretty, very quiet. And then all of a sudden, like you're jarred by the noise of the, uh, the guitar and the song Desire. And that's the song I'm going to play. I'm going to play Desire. It's got a beautiful intro, but then it's got this guitar squeal and this noisy crash. It really builds and then it recedes and it builds again. Um, it's got cowbell. At some points, it sounds like Neil Young Crazy Horse. 
Um, it's just a wild song. And, you know, you got Mark Hollis singing, That Ain't Me, Babe. Uh, it's intense. It's dynamic. Um, I think we all love this record, Spirit of Eden. Uh, we can talk a little bit about it after, but uh, this is Desire by Talk Talk. It's Deep Cuts Lost and Found. Round 14, 1988 is the year.
such a difficult record to step on top of. I feel like we're doing blasphemy by talking over it, but you know, yeah. <clears throat> this record was seismic, I think, for all of us. I, I, I think for me, the color of spring, the previous record by Talk Talk, was sort of opening up new doors. And I think some of the music I'll play tonight was influenced by the fact that I heard that record and it just made me rethink how we could listen to music. And I think in a lot of ways, this record just took it even further. This is to me like, I don't know, this is maybe the kid A for the OK computer of like, um, you know, the color of spring. Just it opened up new doors and it's a piece of classical music in essence. It, it works at the same level as like Prokofiev and Shostakovich and its tonalities and its ambitiousness and it, just the excitement of where it's going. It's like a new chapter in music to me. It's such a great pick. All right, here's a question. Yes, sir. Um, if you had to choose between Spirit of Eden and Laughing Stock. Yep, I know my answer. Um, I mean, Laughing Stock. I agree. So I tweeted about this. I did a countdown of uh, top 15 Talk Talk songs. So, folks, check it out on Twitter. And Ascension Day was number one from uh-huh. Laughing Stock. Oh, interesting. And this was number three. Desire was number three. Uh-huh. Wow. Number two, a B side, uh, John Cope. Oh, amazing. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Spirit of Eden's a remarkable album. Uh, yeah, I'm not knocking Spirit of Eden at all. No, no, An no. Amazing, amazing record. It's really terrific. This is a great album um, and just bold and ambitious, as Tom was saying. But also, they didn't give a shit about the being no. commercial, you know, obviously. <laughs> no, they they came off their biggest record. Yeah. Right? So they had Life's What You Make It off of Color of Spring. It's a big hit. Right. And then they go in and they take EMI's money and they say, yeah, we're going to take a few months. We're going to turn off the lights, by the way. We're going to record this album with the lights off. We're going to invite 16 musicians in and have them just play. And we'll take bits of this and bits of that and uh, put it together. And it's going to be really, really quiet and sound nothing like any of other hits. Yeah. And it won't have a single at all. (laughs) No. Um, It's uh, an example of um, a band making the most of their moment of power. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's okay. You've just directed like star Wars. What are you going to do now? You know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. You can do anything you want. And so this is what they did, which you have to applaud them for. And it's amazing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's true, but the story here that the record executive got the record from Mark Hollis and wept (laughs) because he knew it was amazing and that it would be a commercial disaster. Right. Right. (laughs) And it was. Yeah, you've just given me Don Quixote, but I'm about to lose my job. Thank you. All right. I mean, it has no single on it. I mean, when I first heard it, I was like, I didn't know what to make of it. It took me a little while. Um, You know, now it has recognition in a certain niche. You know, it's it's considered a a work of genius, but it it wasn't received that way at first. It was like, what the fuck did they just do? I think I Believe in You off this album is probably the closest thing to a single. Yeah. Um, but even so, it's it's like grasping at straws. It, it's awesome. It's really, it's just, it you can't say enough about this record. If I can just quote Mark Hollis, he, um, he had this great line. Uh, Before you play two notes, learn how to play one note, you know? And don't play one note unless you're having a reason to play it. That certainly sums up his approach to this record. I mean, there are moments here where you're like, is there anything playing? I don't know. <laughs> is, <laughs> is this thing on? And if you're interested in this record, I listened to uh, Phil Brown's. Uh, essentially, it's an audio book, and he was the engineer on the record. And mm. he talks in great detail about working with Talk Talk on different records. And you, you get a lot of insight because he's a very pragmatic guy. He's like, I've got the recording set up. I'm going to set up the microphones. I'm going to make sure I capture what it's there. But he really gives you a sense of the 
almost a strange construction process of the record, like just bringing somebody in, having them improv, and then they grab only a tiny little piece of it. But this record to me is sort of like, a, it's an assemblage. It's kind of like uh, pulling all these different elements together and building something really magical that I don't think any player that played on the record had any idea how it would sound when it came <laughs> out right. at the end, right. which is a fascinating thing. And what's amazing is it doesn't sound that way. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's an assemblage. It sounds no. like they were all playing together. Yep. And as we've read, that's not true at all. Yeah. And I think if you go through the Talk Talk, you know, history, you go to the Mark Hall as a solo record, which is the last record really in that whole sequence. Yep. It's so special. And I wish so much that Mark Hollis had had a chance to do like a film score yeah. because if he had worked with a filmmaker and built something, I think it would be just so transportive and so amazing. But that never really happened. The last time the five of us were together is the day Mark Hollis died. Oh, you're right. No, that's not true. In person. No, that was coming back from uh, the ski trip in Sun Valley. The last time we were together was after the ski trip. No, but Rich but Rich wasn't there. Oh, the thought, you're right. The five uh -huh. of us, yes, you're right. Right, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I didn't- uh, No, I, no I, I know what you're saying. Didn't take you quite so literally. And were we listening to this? Record? We listened to it on the drive when I was driving bare knuckled through the snow to Boise. In a snowstorm. Well, here's to Mark Hollis. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you, Malfi of a gin, by the way. I think we could probably do a whole show on Talk Talk. Oh, my God. And we probably should. And maybe we will. We should do yeah. artist-themed shows. Agreed. Well, I'm going to take us to Iceland. Thank you for Please the permission. On be my guest. Of course. Um, one of the great things of 1988 is the discovery of new talent. And um, Bjork, who's an artist that I think created really astonishing work in the, the 90s, starting in 1993 and through the 90s and into the 2000s, and continues to do great work, uh, came out of a band out of Iceland called Sugar Cubes. And their debut album was in 1988. It's an album called Life's Too Good. Um, it is a, a very weird record. It kind of captures all of these interesting post-punk influences that were happening in Reykjavik, Iceland at the time. Uh, the band is an unusual band. It has Bjork, who has this absolutely astonishing, almost irrepressible personality. Uh, it has Einar Orn, who does these strange little vocal kind of drops and plays trumpet, and uh, someone named Bragi on bass, someone named Maga on keys, and Sigtrigur Buldersen on drums. And it's just a very interesting interesting and compelling group of people. <laughs> and they created, I think, a really stunning record. The single that people know about is Birthday, which was a worldwide hit. Yes. Yeah. And in many ways was championed by the UK press, which led to a lot of their success. I don't think if they'd had Birthday, we'd be even talking about this band necessarily. But um, the, the track Blue Eyed Pop is from that record and I think is a really a unique one and fun and funky and surprising. And the, the back and forth between Bjork and Einar is just compelling to me. And I wanted to share it with you. Derek loves Einar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's an Icelandic uh, French Schneider. Yeah, with a, with a little bit of uh, Flavor Flav in the mix. So on that note, it's uh, Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 14, 1988 is the year. This is the Sugar Cubes and Blue Eyed Pop. Twisting, twisting, looking 
so fun. Nice. Uh, just one of those songs where you just like don't ever know really quite where it's going to go. And her vocal is just so compelling and just kind of perpetually exciting. And anyway, Rich. I love how you can hear Bjork inhale before she starts screaming whatever is about to come out of the mouth. If you listen closely, you can always hear her. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can- Here goes. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten about this record. And now, you know, two people put it on their, their lists this week. And uh, it did make me realize I did, I did listen to this a pretty fair amount that like this definitely got its hooks into me for a certain period of time. Like you, Derek, you had this tape cassette in your yeah, um, I, I Subaru in the, in the Subaru for a for long sure. time. And I was, um, I just, I never really understood this band and, um, literally uh, no, I, and literally, <laughs> and Derek, listening to it in Derek's car, I definitely got some, somewhat of an appreciation for them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, half the song sort of sound like something that, you know, someone else wrote and then they put it through some, you know, Google, Google translate. <laughs> yeah, and didn't right. quite get it right. And What's the song about the bathtub? Right, there's some uh, song. Oh yeah. Cold totally, Sweat. Yeah. Cold Sweat. <clears throat> cold Sweat is a, is a real funny one too. I like that one. But that's a great way of describing because it it's kind of like everything got translated kind of weird. Like <laughs> right. both the cultural influences and the language. And it just feels like it's just wonderfully irrepressibly exciting and, and unique and feels kind of like, I don't know where the hell it's going to go. Yeah, uh, and a little stilted and off at the same time mm-hmm. in a way that was entertaining. Totally. But, yeah, it was like all shook up in a bag and spilled out onto the table. I just didn't know how it was going to come out. Well, Derek, you get to uh, take that bag and move it forward. Where do you want to take us? Derek's going to go to America, I predict. Oh, I'm definitely going to go to America. I'm going to go to Poughkeepsie, New York. Ah, uh, yeah. Not exactly a, a hotbed of, of uh, you know, serious music, uh, college rock or otherwise, until now. So... You know, at this point, I was going to school in the Hudson Valley at a place called Bard College. And because of where we were, we were kind of on the way, like if a band played New York City on their way to Boston, they would stop by and get a good college college payday by coming to play uh, at our school. So we had a lot of pretty amazing stuff pass through. Saw Red Hot Chili Peppers with uh, Hillel Slovak, you know, in the really early days with like 40 other people. Got to see Yolo Tango a bunch of times. You know, Butthole Surfers came. I mean, just saw some really amazing stuff. But for me, the most important band of, of my years in school there was this band out of Poughkeepsie, New York called Agitpop. And they were a three-piece and... You know, they're kind of like art punk, I guess. Uh, you know, sort of had some interesting rhythms. But I love this band. They were kind of our band. I mean, they weren't on Twin Tone Records. They played with some pretty big acts. You know, I think they opened for The Replacements and The Pixies and, you know, some some pretty big acts in their day. But they really never got that big. I'm sure there are people out there that, that absolutely love this band, but they're not really that known but I think they could be. I, I think they're a really wonderful band. Um, this uh, particular song uh, is from the third record, Open Seasons. It's a song called Getting Up to Go Down. But just imagine being a few beers in. You're in college. You're a 19-year-old kid. And, you know, there's this impo- three impossibly cool-looking guys up on the stage. And they're, like, projecting some film of like 
underwater scenes uh, behind them as they play and they start playing this song. It's Deep Cuts. Pop, ladies and gentlemen, Poughkeepsie Zone. There we go. You won't hear it anywhere else, ladies and gentlemen. You won't. It's kind of hard to actually. Well, <laughs> it's hard to find. Well, this, yeah, this record and uh, their record from '89, Stick It, is on iTunes. Stick It is a really, really great record, but uh, just one of their older compilations is on Spotify. But yeah, hard to find. It's interesting too, like they're a three piece, right? So it kind of reminds you a little bit of all the other three pieces that were kind of exciting. I mean, going back to the police as sort of like a really exciting uh, three piece, but Husker Du was also a three piece, I think. Yeah. Um, Indeed. And it kind of reminds you of like how much can happen when you've got three different musicians kind of a, following different musical agendas while they're playing. And that's sort of what strikes me about this track. I've never heard this track before. 
Yeah, and they're definitely influenced by Minutemen and, you know, sort of in terms of rhythmically. And they had all these really interesting percussion instruments and melodicas and things on stage that they would kind of put into their show. They were always, they had some interesting, strange sections to their songs. Cool. They were great. They were our band. We love them. Nice. Nice. Yay. Bard Zone. Uh, Richard Ayer, where would you like to take us? This is going to be a big left turn. Um, it's been all left turns. <laughs> yeah, we're only going left. I'm going to mellow it down. Make it a circle. Uh, going with Derek's theme at the be- at the top of the show that, the you know, 88 was, there's a lot of different uh, things coming at us, new friends, new places. We're in college. Um, a lot of, uh, in my experience, new music styles that I hadn't yet listened to or were rediscovering. Um, it's just kind of a lot of kind of chaos for me. So this song is maybe a reaction, and and I have a confession um, that. Do you want Do you want to take that offline? <laughs> no, I, I, I forgot <laughs> was that I was into this kind of genre of music, but it was after uh, I went to school in Walla Walla Whitman College, another small school like Bard, and in the summer I spent it, the summer I spent in Idaho, up in Sun Valley, where we recently. Went on a little reunion pre-COVID. Yes. But um, I don't know if it was the, I was intoxicated by the wildflowers or hypoxic (laughs) from the elevation, but I remember listening to 10,000 Maniacs in my tribe album and Tracy Chapman and uh, Indigo Girls quite a bit that summer. And I'd kind of forgotten about it, but you know, doing research for the show, I realized. You realized you had a Lilith Fair stage in your life? (laughs) Yeah, I. It was a precursor to Lilith Fair, and I had it for a couple months in Sun Valley, and it was, it was nice. It was really fond memories. Rich caught that wave before it crested. It it reminded me of this other band, this this song that I'm going to pick by um, Cowboy Junkies, who I think oh interesting um, might have been the one of the original alt country bands. Didn't know it at the time. Good call. They're kind of a quiet, very mellow, and you know I don't know. I was into so many different things at the time. I was still listening to quite a bit of New Wave from the early, late 70s, early 80s, post-punk stuff, and rediscovering classic rock, as you do when you're in college. A lot of classic rock bands, but this uh, seemed to be kind of a calming presence, maybe, in my life. So, um, Cowboy Junkies, you know, they're actually from, they are from Canada. Um, They went on to do great things, a lot of great albums. Um, I still listen to them quite a bit. And uh, this album, uh, Trinity Sessions, they did a cover of Sweet Jane, which ended up in Natural Born Killers, great version. Um, Misguided Angel is a really good song as well. So I've been listening to this album uh, for the last couple of days and chose probably the mellowest song on the album. It reminds me quite a bit of Mazzy Star, who we're going to come out in a couple years from now. So uh, if you drop the needle, Tom, this is... Postcard Blues by Cowboy Junkies. It's Deep Cuts. Especially with my head pounding And lying helpless in my bed I long for you and your expert hands this is what he hid from my head. And you boast that 
Bringing us way down. Bringing the heat. I know. A lot of space. Another song we have to turn the lights off to. <laughs> we should tell everybody we should have something before the show that says, turn off your lights before you listen to this episode. Absolutely. At least dim them, for God's sake. Dim. At least dim. <laughs> At least dim. How many siblings are in this band, by the way? Do you know, Rich? Three. Three. Nice. It's not like Duran Duran where they're all named Taylor, but none of them are related. This is our, These are all Timminses. There's t- three Timmons, I believe. Nice. Uh, two brothers and the sister. Yeah. Uh, Margo, I think. Yep, Margo. Yeah. And they recorded this record in a really interesting way. They recorded it in the Church of the Holy Trinity in Toronto because it had a lot of natural reverb. And they spent essentially essentially most of the day just setting up a microphone just to figure out how the microphone could capture it with the least instruments and with the most pure sound. And it's the intimacy that you get from this record is just startling. This is one of the records I was looking at as well. Do they record it themselves? They recorded themselves. I don't know if yeah, there was no, a, it's, 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 It is a great recording, great engineering on that. It cost them, they said it cost them $25 for a security guard <laughs> for two extra hours of time. And then basically like the probably a couple hundred bucks to rent the space. So they, they cost almost nothing to do. And it's a perfect example of having all these really stunning songs 
all prepared and then essentially recorded with the least amount of instruments, the least amount of, it's a little bit like the talk talk record, which I think is a running theme actually in this show as a whole. Cause a lot of the records I found myself really drawn to were very minimal. Like I don't know if I'm going to play her, but the Tracy Chapman record, I had thought like, you know, you go to a dentist office, you're going to hear Tracy Chapman at some point when you're getting your teeth cleaned. Who's your dentist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dentist loves fast car. <laughs> <laughs> But the record holds up so well, and it's partly because the songwriting is so strong and the the elements are so few, and it's just stripped down to bare essentials, which really, uh, it's a great pick. Thank you, Rich. A whisper can have as, be as impactful as a scream. Wow. Okay. wow. Put that in the trailer. Jeez, that was deep. <laughs> I might have read that somewhere. There you go. Well, Chris, do you want to take us in a different direction, or you want to whisper it? Well, I'll break into a different direction. It's more upbeat, but without the fortune cookie wisdom of uh, Richard Eyre. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a fortune cookie. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, a, Stepping on toes. We've talked a lot about uh, Wire and Colin Newman on the show. And, yes. um, and I suspect after 1988, we probably won't talk about him much more. Um, so I want to get one last lick in for, um, <laughs> for Colin Newman. I love this album he put out in 1988 called It Seems. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh, it's a really terrific record. It's got a lot of great songs on it. But the one I have decided to go with tonight is um, a song called Better Late Than Never. Sweet. So hit it.
Colin Newman is just so unbelievably wonderful. And this, boy, this record brings me back so much. I listened to it so many times. I was so happy you played this. It's really good. It's great. I love it. I love, you know, I'm on the Colin Newman team. I've, I've said that many times. I can remember buying this record. It was at a record store in Hyannis, Massachusetts, down the Cape. I never owned it. I just had a Maxell, you know. XL2S? XL2S. XL2S90 <laughs> with uh, your handwriting on it. <laughs> and I think on the flip side of it was. Um, what I put? No, it, it was. Um, Shit, what was that band? Uh, Medicine? Oh, yeah. Do you remember Medicine? Yeah. That, that was a couple years later that, after this. The first song on Medicine is phenomenal. Right. Yeah, it's just total noise. It's great. I remember this song, and I don't connect it with Wire necessarily. Yeah. But, um, and I always remember it. I always loved the trumpet parts. I love yeah, the trumpet's sort of great. backup singer. But as we were listening to it, I'm like, all right. I, you know, I'm going to look this up, look the lyrics so I can kind of sing along a little bit. Maybe it'll make a little more sense. <laughs> no. Double bubble with verb? Nope, you don't know what that means? it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> nope. No, nope. no, no. It's nonsense, but it's great nonsense. Uh, yeah, it's all pretty great nonsense. But yeah. uh, after <laughs> looking up those lyrics, I was like, I think I like this even more. Uh, <laughs> I have no so idea strange. what a double bubble is, but with verve. Even better. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. From an acorn to an opal. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Acorn, yeah. opal. That's the high point of the year. Circle yeah. of life. A border unit. Anyway, it's a good record. I could have pl- also played quite unrehearsed. Um, yeah. You could have played anything because nobody knows this record. Maybe this should be my further listening in addition to, uh, oh. you know, uh, playing the song off of it. But anyway, I'm glad you guys liked it. Nice stuff. This record for me was also like a continuation of our friendship because we all moved in different directions in 88. And I was living a very different life. And I think that in a lot of ways when I heard, and probably Billy, you were the one probably that first like reminded me to check this record out. And it's just astonishing. It's it's such a great record, but it reminds me of like our bond and how much we love Wire. And it seemed like the kind of also, it's a little underground. Like it's not an obvious record. Like we talk about Talking Heads and we talk about Devo and bands that everybody knows, but Colin Newman, like you throw that name out at most people and they don't know what you're talking about. And Wire you probably know, but you kind of have to explain it. And to me, this record is just such a great reminder. And I love so much of what Graham Lewis did later on too. So it's like, it's a lifelong obsession of like the projects of Wire. So I'm so glad that you kind of put a flag down on 1988 with Colin Newman. A pink flag? A pink ah. flag. <laughs> See what I did there? Well played, Billy. Wordplay. <laughs> on that note, why don't we do uh, round number two? Billy, you want to take us off? Oh, sweet. Uh, sure. Um, I will go with another artist who's... Uh, not a big name, at least I don't think so. Um, Derek knows these guys. Jazz Butcher, although they had oh, a cu- yes. they had a couple other names. Jazz Butcher Conspiracy, well, and they had another one too. Butcher Experience, I think I can't remember. Yeah, there was another one with like a Russian name. But um, anyways, it's it's basically this guy Pat Fish, and for this record, this is their fifth record. It's called Fishco Tech. Uh, it was uh, Pat Fish and I think another guy, uh, Kizzy O'Callahan. Um, 
and I don't even know how I got turned onto this record, but I did. And uh, it's got a breezy sound. It's smooth and groovy, but he's very cheeky as well. Uh, the name of this song is Let's Get It Wrong, not Let's Get It On. Um, it's got some great lyrics. Let me see if I can share it with you. I keep getting letters about divorces, just like cowboys changing horses. People use each other up and leave. One mistake and it all turns bitchy. Listening to records by Lionel Richie. I'm not sure if he deserves it or even if they do. Um, fantastic lyrics. Patfish, I think, is really great. He's made a bunch of great albums. Um, but this, uh, this, this is a band, I think, that deserves a little more attention. It's Jazz Butcher. The song is Get It Wrong. It's Deep Cuts. about divorces Just like cowboys changing horses People use each other up and leave One mistake and it all turns bitchy Listening to records by Lionel Richie I'm not sure that he deserves it Or even if they do Jealousy is just messed up But it only twists you up inside We don't feel it, we don't need it Let's get Anything right with you, girl And the fact that you are married Only carries things to ludicrous Extremes to go to places no one goes Looking for faces that we know We know that they don't deserve it I wonder if we do Cause we're not hurting anyone So come on, darling, let's get it wrong We don't feel it, we both need it So come on
I feel like this is such a you song, Billy, because I feel like... How so? That's <laughs> I feel like you have a soft spot for really positive, warm pop songs that have a really well-executed saxophone. Yes, that's true. Fair enough. I, I, I think English Beat did that well. I think oh. I think uh, A Higher Cut 100 did that really well. Yes. And I feel like there's something really charming about Jazz Butcher's songwriting and warmth, and I just I associate it directly with you. So oh, it feels funny. like a you pick. But the lyrics aren't exactly carefree. I mean... No, no. I mean, that's the whole... That's what's so great about Jazz Butcher a lot of the time is like it's sort of delivered... With with this real kind of Loosh. jaunty flair, but they're they're singing some darker stuff than uh, you know yes. you're, you're led to believe. Yeah, that's true. Plus, the name of the album is Fishgotech. Come on, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Fishgotech, sucker for the sax. Oh my god, I love the saxophone. All right, well, I'm up, um, and I think I'm going to go international on you guys. Um, of course. Uh-oh. Well, you've already gone Icelandic. That's true. I guess I'm doing an international show this time. Um, this time. He's always sucking up to the foreigners. <laughs> I'm sucking up to... Actually, it's weird that I'm sucking up to the French again. <laughs> oh, no. Another... Uh, I know, right. but in a surprising again, way. Again, In a surprising way. <laughs> um, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to change my pick. So because of that... What? Oh, no, go ahead. No. Suck up to the French. You already have your lips around their teats. No, this is... This, that's true. <laughs> Good job, man. <laughs> I'm instead going to tongue the Irish and the Scottish um, and play the Water Boys. So the Water Boys uh, did their fourth- Can you share with the audience what you were going to play? They have to tune into the the bonus show. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, nice tease, Tom. Well played. That's a good tease for premium content. Well played, sir. At the Fish Go Tech. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So I'm going to play the Water Boys. Um, Their fourth album, uh, Fisherman's Blues, is a really special record. I listen to this record a lot. Again, we talked a little bit about how almost all of our pop bands went a little bit more organic in this time period. Talk Talk certainly did, and a lot of other bands. Good point. And and things like you know the the sort of synthetic pop music of the 80s, which in many ways ruled the day in the pop charts, a lot of bands just got kind of tired of it. Um, Carl Wallinger left the Water Boys, uh, and he'd been working with Mike Scott on that project and a few others. And uh, Mike kind of used that opportunity to create a very organic record that's very much tied into Scottish and Irish folk music. It's a record I listen to a lot. Uh, It's a record I really love. Um, And I'm going to play from you a song from that album, and it is... uh, called When You Go Away. It's from the Fisherman's Blues, from the Water Boys. It's Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. Round 14, 1988 is the year. He's brought down the rain And the Indian summer is through In the morning you'll be following your trail again Fair play to you You ain't calling me to join you And I'm spoken for anyway But I will cry when you go away 
away Your beauty is familiar And your voice is like a key It opens up my soul And torches up a fire inside of me Your coat is made of magic And around your table angels play I will cry when you go away I will cry when you go away And the night is very young I've some to say and I've more to tell And the words will soon be spelled from my tongue I'll rave and I will ramble I'll do everything but make you stay And I will cry when you go away I will cry When you go away I just love this direction of this record and I feel like it was such a fully realized album. It just felt like it was every song felt like a classic to me, but every song felt so stripped down and real and 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 warm. I mean there's country influences, there's Irish folk influences, uh Scottish. Oh, absolutely. I haven't listened to that in ages. It's really great. It oh. it has aged aged well. And I love the lyrics. It's a timeless record. I mean it doesn't sound like 88 yeah. by any means. Although we yeah. listened to it in 88 a ton in my dorm room, I remember. Yeah. Um, we used to play some air fiddle. Uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this and uh, Charlie Daniels' band. Um, and, and what, Kurt uh, Wonger went to what? Uh, uh, World Party. World Party. World Party. World Party was his yeah. project, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I think The Edge called this his favorite album of 1988, by the way. Oh, interesting. That makes sense. I could see that. Mm. I remember reading that in Spin back when we used to get magazines and that was like a thing. What do you mean used to? Some of us still make a living at that. You yeah, better be still better still be buying them. <laughs> Getting your information off the internet. I got print media in the Zoom. With that dig out of the way, Derek, would you like to take us forward? <laughs> sure. I'm going to take us back across the pond to the Lower East Side of New York. Oh, you've gone all the way from Poughkeepsie. I know. I'm sticking it. Jeez, sticking that's a whole hour drive. <laughs> I'm driving all the way 30 miles west. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I didn't I didn't pl- necessarily plan on to really stay uh, in the same state. But here we are. Across which pond, Derek? Which pond? Well, you know, the pond. The pond. Um, so Sonic Youth's Daydream Nation is an important record no matter how you slice it. It is a big record this year and certainly – a record that had a huge influence on me, and I, I love this record to this day. It's just an undeniably cool record, you know, from the Gerhard Richter painting on the cover. Uh, no other band exemplified that sort of Lower East Side 
cool of this era than Sonic Youth. That sort of detachment, kind of abandon, but also thoughtfulness about what they were doing. Um, but uh, this is a particular song from Daydream Nation called Eric's Trip. Lyrics kind of are, I think, have something to do with um, this uh, Eric Emerson, who was one of Warhol's superstars, and this sort of uh, LSD-influenced monologue that he gave uh, during uh, Warhol's uh, Chelsea Girls film. But it's just such a great example of what's one aspect of this record that's so great. It's propulsive. It has these layered guitars. Some bitch and tambourine. So it's some bitch and tambourine, you know. It's got Lee Ronaldo kind of sort of barely singing. It's almost like you're in this conversation with him, like he's just some dude saying really weird shit to you in the corner of some dark bar on Avenue B that you're trying to get away from. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but it's also just got that, you know, these guitar parts where you can just see Thurston Moore like torturing some secondhand guitar with a screwdriver and a drumstick or something. But it's it's a great example of what's great about Daydream Nation. This is uh, Eric's trip, Sonic Youth. Nothing to say. 
it's so visceral and exciting and and oh my god i listened to this record so many so many times and yeah it's it's to me at least it's like the perfect sonic youth record it feels like everything that i loved about them distilled into some and it's a double album so you really have a lot to kind of go through and it it's just, it's such a journey what a great pick yeah it's also got that uh it's one of the songs where um, Kim Gordon starts off the song. And it's sort of the spoken word thing, but it's I've always loved it. Where she's like, uh, "What does she say?" She's like, uh, "It's not cool Fuck thing." Fuck you. Does that sound simple enough to you? <laughs> uh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, it's just such a great record. You hear? Yeah, love it. I love that the uh, the engineer had been working on a lot of hip hop records. Um, I just looked this up, but it's Nick Sansano, and he had been working on Public Enemies, Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos, and Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rocks, It Takes Two. Oh, really? Yeah, and so he basically played those records for them because he didn't know their music at all, and they got really into the idea of something that had some of that chaos to it, and I think that's sort of what they found. So it's interesting that there's a hip-hop influence. Well, I think they were also in the same studio at a certain point as Public Enemy and Chuck D. That's why Yeah, I, Green Street. You know, that guy saying, oh, yeah, in the back of cool things, Chuck D. <laughs> Right, yep, right. Exactly. That's Chuck D in the back of the, you know. Hit him where it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got two fact-checking cousins tonight. You guys are you killing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rich, where do you want to take us? I think the band I'm going to pick, we're listening, I'm sure, to Sonic Youth, and we're influenced by them. So this, and speaking with the, the theme of sort of an organic feel for some of these bands, stripped down, um, there were some spores growing in the dark, dank basements and garages of the Pacific Northwest about this time, uh, 1988, I think uh, Bleach, uh, the first album by Nirvana was recorded in 1988, released in 1989. Uh, the band Green River was playing uh, shows since 1985 or 1986, but they were really one of those spores or seed pods that cracked open and kind of created this uh, the coming uh, explosion that we know now as uh, we call grunge. It's really a f fusion of punk and hit the hair bands, heavy metal bands. Um, you know, I think those kids were bored in their basements in this in the dreary Northwest, and it, it just was kind of like lightning and uh, created a perfect storm. But Green River was before they even released this album, uh, which is uh, Rehab Doll. They actually broke up. Um, Mark Arm and Steve Turner went on to form Mud Honey, and Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard obviously went on to do Pearl Jam. Uh, there's Bruce Fairweather went on to do Mother Love Bone. There's so much came out of this band. They took slightly different paths. Like a super group in reverse. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was all sort of the big bang in reverse, but um, they came out, released this album, uh, loved it at the time and uh, still love it. Uh, they re-released it in uh, 2019. I think Jack Andino, the, the famous producer for uh, Sub Pop, re-released it and produced it. This is the original version of Swallow My Pride produced by Bruce Carver. So uh, a little bit different twist than my first pick. And this is definitely more, the scream can be more impactful <laughs> at times with Mark Arm on vocals. There's a twist. Uh, so I'm... Here we go. Take it away, Tom. This is Swallow My Pride by Green River. It's Deep Cuts Lost and Found, round 14, 1988. 
over <laughs> oh man i love it i think it's great yeah it was good great album. i think i said bruce carver it's calder sorry calder producer yeah either way that's good stuff you know i mean this was happening there you know it was just no one else knew about it you know so much was happening in the pacific northwest there were all these bands and it was already well underway and so much had happened before anybody really realized what was going on up there. Kind of like the Green River Killer, who they were named after. Yeah. Who operated for about 16 years. There's just this, there's this one Green River song that I, I don't know, we'll have to talk about it offline. Nice fact. Well, it's just, I've been obsessed with the song that I'm pretty sure is a Green River song, but I can't seem to find it anywhere. Um, I don't know. I got I to gotta figure out what this one song is. But I love Mark Arm. He's a really special, interesting guy and very much committed to being a rocker. Yeah, if you get to see him live, yeah. I, mean, I think that's why they broke up. Mark wanted to stay more or less independent. And, you know, Jeff Fement and Stone Gossard, for sure, they wanted to go do bigger, bigger things, which was great. And that's how it turned out. But they're both. And they both did okay. <laughs> they did okay. That's where it all started. Well, Chris, you get to you get to close out our show tonight. Ooh, oh, so, uh, a lot of responsibility. I, it is a lot of responsibility, and there are three songs left tonight that I want to play, and I got to choose one, and I don't know what to do. Oh, um, God. I guess I'll play the one that I had you pull for me, Tom. Okay. Oh, we're, we're going off the menu. Ooh, mystery. Off the menu. Yeah, it's not on Spotify, so I had to have Tom pull it for me. Um, oh boy. This is probably one of my three favorite records from 1988. Um, I played something from it a couple weeks ago um, when we were doing covers. Oh. Um, but this is uh, the Feelies um, from Only Life, which is 
just a tremendous record and True. a band that unfortunately, you know, um, feels like a bit of a deep cut themselves. You know what I yeah, mean? Like right. I know that amongst our peers, with you know, they're well known, but in general, I just think that you know they're one of these bands that just should have been a lot bigger than they were. Yep. Um, so anyway, this is the title track uh, and the first song of the record. It's only life. make that list of like bands that gave you pleasure and happiness at times of strife. Yeah. I just feel like this this band added so much joy to my life and this record in particular. I'm so glad you played this. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I love them so much. It's like somebody said, I'm going to shrug. Can you make a song that describes the shrug? <laughs> <laughs> I, it just, uh, just really captures that feeling of, eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From New Jersey. It's a terrific album. Yeah. Great, great stuff. I love that song. Glenn Mercer, Bill Million. Uh, man, they're just so special. They're so great. What a great way to close out the show. Well, let's do a little bit of further listening. So um, let's go, I guess, in the same order we started out with. Billy, do you want to give us your uh, your picks for further listening? Uh, sure. Well, I guess con continuing with the theme of uh, criminally uh, overlooked bands, I'm going to uh, recommend, well, first, Talk Talks. 
asides and b-sides you got to check you got to find that anyways uh that that has some great talk talk stuff like john cope pictures of bernadette for what it's worth all sorts of great stuff um but i want to recommend a band that's also criminally underrated criminally overlooked american music club people don't know Mm. about them their album california is amazing it came out this year in 1988 um you know a lot of the songs we played tonight are quiet and serious and intense American Music Club is right up your alley <laughs> if you like that sort of thing. Do you like lugubrious songs? Um, <laughs> Emotionally very vulnerable, it's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, happy lyrics on this album are, are, are things like, if I have to be this lonely, I may as well be alone. Um, they are just <laughs> kind of a sad sack of a band. Uh, Mark Eitzel is the lead singer. He's phenomenal. I recommend American Music Club, California. Nice. Nice pick. Um, I am going to throw forward, uh, oh man, this is tough. Uh, I'm going to throw forward Tracy Chapman. Um, <laughs> wow. She is getting a lot of love on this show tonight. She really is. Really. That's a bit of a surprise for me. She's in dentist office. She's in Tom's further listening. I mean, where isn't she? What did you throw two pence in her, 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 her guitar taste? Yeah. Guitar case <laughs> when she was at, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're at the red line and. Harvard Square or something. Yeah. When she was busking. I think that the Tracy Chapman, uh, it's her her debut record, uh, came out in 1988. Yep. I think it is one of those very rare, top to bottom, kind of great records. And it's working against everything that we were probably interested earlier. It's very sincere. It doesn't have any irony to it whatsoever. It's very political. The lyrics are very thoughtful and very specific. It's easy to make fun of and it's easy to dismiss. And I think the fact that there's like sort of like soft rock hits from it or whatever you want to call it, the dentist office problem, I think it allows you to kind of dismiss it. But it's a truly great record. And when I was digging around, I really came close to playing Mountains of Things, which is a great song. I don't know if it fits as a deep cut, which is why I kind of dropped it out. But it's a really special record. And I, again, was really surprised. It's a record that I would have very easily dismissed and said, oh, it's not a very cool record, blah, blah, blah. But it's actually a truly, truly great record, well written from top to bottom. So I recommend uh, Tracy Chapman's uh, debut. It is called Tracy Chapman. 1988 is the release year. Derek, where would you like to recommend? I'm going to recommend another quote unquote important record that came out this year, which is... uh, my Belly Valentine's debut record isn't anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Good stuff. Kind of considered the creators of the shoegaze movement, uh, often referred to as, you know, a lot of people's loudest band they've ever seen. Um, it's just messy. It's dense. It's it's beautiful. Kevin Shields is, you know, jazz master and all these stacked crazy pedals and whammy bar just making crazy noises um but it's a really stunning debut and influenced a lot of bands that we love and it's just a great record and should be heard great pick yes sir i saw them in chicago after their next album came out love us and uh at this at metro cabaret metro and and um i swear to god i this was like before i thought of like wearing earplugs to a concert. Yeah, right. <laughs> I could not hear for four days afterwards. It was like, you know, being in an airplane and your ears like sort of plug yeah. up and maybe like a day later, they just go boop. It took like four days 
everyone was talking like Charlie Brown's teacher for like four days. <laughs> it was a great show. It was loud. <laughs> but boy, did I pay for it. Look at that. Nice. Doing a callback to the ACDC show right now. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Nash has been to the loudest concerts. I have. I know, apparently. Rich, what's your pick? Uh, Something from the Pacific Northwest, perhaps? I already mentioned 10,000 Maniacs, Natalie Merchant, and In My Tribe, which I think might have come out in 87, actually. So uh, I won't. Yeah, I think you're right. But I was kind of burned a hole in that CD listening to it. Uh, Soundgarden's first full-length EP album came out in 1988. Ultra Mega Okay. <laughs> Ultra Mega Okay. I mean, I'm sure everybody's listened to it, but uh, that's what I got. <laughs> nice. All right. Can't go wrong. Chris. What's your uh, recommended listening for 1988? Well, I guess Surfer Rosa did, hasn't come up on this show. I know. God, it's criminal. Yeah, tonight, which feels it feels like a huge omission. So From a little band called Pixies. But it's sort of an obvious choice. So let me take another stab at the... Oh, uh, look at that. Yeah, you heard me. You heard me. Uh, I'm going to go with The Church's Starfish, which has Wait, the, what? What did you just do? It was it was a two-step. It was, look over I here. Did a, I did a whole look over here at the shot. Anything? Wham! I got your I got your wallet. We're gonna call it the Nash Shimmy. Well, everyone's listening to Surfer Rose anyway. If you haven't, what's wrong with you? Starfish. Anyways, no, he's going with another obscure record. The church. Chur- the church. Starfish. Maybe you've heard Under the Milky Way. Maybe you have. Do you want to do this now? I mean, we can get into it if you want. Bring it. I'm here all night. Still. All right. Anyway, Fido, don't poke the bear. Let him finish. I do think that Under the Milky Way is probably the most beautiful song of this year. So. Um, Thumbs up to that. I would say for people to check out that. The record. opening guitar on Reptile is oh, it's so good, so good. Good stuff. Anyways, let's talk a little bit about also social media. So you can find us on Patreon. We will be doing a uh, hour long, or I guess half an hour long, uh, bonus round. One more round of picks from nineteen eighty-eight. Motherfucking bonus round. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you can catch us on Twitter. Billy, you want to break it down for us? Sure. We are on every social media platform, and I'm flogging that relentlessly. Um, We're on Twitter. Uh, Just search for Deep Class. Uh, Deep Cuts Lost and Found on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and as Tom mentioned, Patreon. Check us out on Patreon. You can find bonus content there, and we'll keep you up to date about all our comings and goings. So, good stuff. And we got a Linktree uh, account now, too. So, if you want to check out the Linktree account, you can uh, find a way to subscribe to our uh, our newsletter and to all the different things. It's fun, fun stuff. So I don't even know what that is. <laughs> You just lost the millennials. Like, oh yeah, sure, Linktree. Yeah, right. Oh, Linktree. Yeah, we're also on Snortfest <laughs> and, and, and Pukabee dot org. Let's do the big vote since we scared off all the fifty year olds. Uh, you gotta, you gotta know the our audience, Tommy. Exactly. All right. So apparently, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Um, Billy opened us up with uh, "Talk Talk" and "Desire," the opening track from "Spirit of Eden," one of certainly my favorite records of all time. Uh, the Sugar Cubes' "Blue Eyed Pop" is a track that I chose from "Life's Too Good." Uh, Derek came in with "Agit Pop" and "Getting Up to Go Down" from "Open Season." Rich came in with the Cowboy Junkies and their astonishing uh, album, "The." Sessions and song Postcard Blues. Chris came in with Colin Newman's Better Late Than Never from his album It Seems. Billy came in with uh, Jazz Butcher and Get It Wrong from Fishco Tech. And uh, let's see, I played the Water Boys When You Go Away from Fisherman's Blues. 
Derek came in with Sonic Youth's Eric Strip from Daydream Nation. Rich came in with Green River Swallow My Pride from Rehab Doll, a Seattle supergroup in reverse. Uh, the Feelies It's Only Life was Chris's pick to close out the show from their album Only Life that came out in 1988. So is everybody ready to go ahead and no. vote? Ready. Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Oh, Bill needs a sec. Bill needs a sec. God, the choices are so good. I know, it's really hard. I'm really struggling. I'm trying to think who I want to win. Oh, goodness. Oh, that's the wrong way to approach this. Okay, fine. Then I'll I'll just go by whatever song I like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the point. Ready? One, two, three, vote. All right, one, two, three, go ahead. Oh, wow. That, that is a decisive. resounding, decisive win. Wow. Colin Newman? Yeah. Oh, wait. Mine didn't go. Hold on. Hold on. I, there, there we go. Okay. Oh, there you go. Bro. Still. Oh, so if I hadn't gone with the song I liked and just gone with the person I wanted to win, might have been a split vote. Okay. Uh, wait, well, you didn't want me to win? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, no, no. I wasn't saying that. No, no. Well done, Colin Newman. Yeah, Colin and, Newman. And Nash. Yeah, it was the only song we played that had any sense. It was interesting. We played a song. Yeah, it was a we, weird show this week. Yeah, yeah. very eclectic. Yeah, weird year. Very true. Woo. So, on behalf of Bill Federico, Derek Brain, Richard Ayer, Chris Nashawadi, myself, Thomas Golubich, thank you for hanging out with us. It has been Deep Cuts Lost and Found. Round 14, 1988 is the year that we have been exploring. Uh, we will be coming back to you probably with 18, 1989, but we may even have a, a, a theme show next week. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Rose Wave. Rose uh, Wave. Possibility. So. <laughs> So we'll catch you all soon. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll catch you all next time. Over and out. Peace.